Good morning, PT. Good morning, PT. God bless you, Elder Leon. Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a round of applause, please. Yes, yes, yes. Praise God. Amen. I am honored to be before you this morning. I praise God for another day. I, I show greetings to uh, uh, the, the family here. This is my family, Pentecostal Tabernacle. I was saved in this very church, and I'm very grateful to now be speaking in front of this very church. <laughs> Praise Jesus, amen. I would like to give gratitude uh, to our pastor, Bishop Brian Green, and Lady Elder Carmen, as well as the elders of this church, and also to each and every one of you, and to the worship team, and to also behind the scenes, the production crew, uh, who helped really put this all together every Sunday, faithfully for the Lord. Let's give them a round of applause, please. Amen. With all of that being said, I would like to dive right into scripture for the message of today. Um, as we greet each other here in this space, the sacred space, I also give a huge uh, gratitude and acknowledgement to those online and those who are looking to our future and looking at this in our future. Amen? So the scripture that we are going to be looking at today to start us off with the message is in the a, a book of Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 29. Book of Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 29. Now I'll be reading from the NIV version. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Thus is the word of the Lord. Amen. Today, as we look at the, the status of the world, we look at the status of our communities, there's a lot of divisiveness happening. Politically, we see the divisiveness happen, Republicans versus Democrats. There's upheaval with the Supreme Court justices and the decisions that have been essentially been the rulings that have been put out there. People are scared. They feel isolated now more than ever. Even within our church communities, there's a lot of divisiveness. This summer, we've been talking about the different roles of Jesus, such as Jesus as a human, which Brother Ohini did a fantastic job. Give Ohini a, a shout out, give him an applause, amen and all the speakers this summer that have touched on different aspects of Jesus Christ. This morning, I would like to talk about an aspect that often gets, in my perspective, underlooked and underestimated. Jesus Christ as the unifier. Because Jesus is the unifier. Amen? And Jesus is breaking down the barriers and promoting harmony. He is breaking through that dark and dreadful cloud of despair and divisiveness in our lives and ushering a new horizon of hope 
collaboration and unity in today's church. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Amen? He's made two groups one and has destroyed the barrier. The question that I would like for us to leave with there this morning is when we leave this space as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, how are we destroying the barrier? How are we destroying the dividing wall of hostility in our lives, our personal lives, our own ministries, on our jobs, in our families, and in this church community? Humor me for a minute. Please close your eyes, if you will, for a couple of seconds. I ask that we close our eyes and reflect on what walls we have built up in our own life. And whether or not the walls that we have built truly reflects the ministry and power of Jesus Christ. The invitation that Jesus has for us in his ministry, and it's an invitation and a question, are we simply being a mirror to the hostile world that we look into every day? Are we being a mirror to the hostility we see in our, our circumvent environment? Or are we being a window to the limitless possibilities of the gospel of Christ in the lives of others in our own? Amen? This morning, as we talk about Jesus' mission, Jesus' role as a unifier, I would like to speak to us about three points. If you, if you remember nothing else about this message, just think about these three letters. I-B-E, I-B-E. The focus of these three points really helped and ushered Jesus into being that unifier that we know him as. And the areas of focus for Jesus are inclusiveness, brokenness, and empowerment. I-B-E, inclusiveness, brokenness, and empowerment. These were huge aspects, huge aspects of the focus of his ministry. Now let's talk about inclusiveness. Two years ago, and an example of inclusiveness for me, um, and just to kind of demonstrate and illustrate how difficult inclusiveness can really be, is uh, two years ago, I was a part of an amazing experience. I was selected to be a fellow for the Aspen Institute of Leadership, executive leadership. And so the concept of the Aspen Institute Fellowship is that they were bringing together 15 to 20 leaders, executive leaders from all over the world. These were individuals from very different kinds of backgrounds, politically, professionally, ethnically, economically. I mean, in the class you would have anywhere from someone who is a multi-million dollar oil, uh, oil, um, oil owner, owning businesses, to, to actually five-star generals in this executive leadership fellowship, or someone who was the head of a nonprofit organization, or someone who was actually the head of an anarchist group. So these are very different kinds of people they're bringing together for almost two weeks, essentially in the mountains of Aspen, Colorado. Beautiful territory, beautiful land, but you're in pretty much in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so I was excited to be selected, and I was, you know, excited, I told my wife, Caitlin, she gave her blessing. 
and I went and off my way, I, I went. The first two, three days, though, were very difficult for me. It was difficult trying to strike up conversations with people that I had almost no kind of sameness with. People that were coming from very different political worldviews. I mean, we had staunch Republican supporters. We had people that were coming from anarchist perspectives. It was all over the place. And I remember by the third or second day, I called my wife, Caitlin. Uh, huge shout out to my beautiful wife, Caitlin, please. Give her a shout out. I didn't forget her. I told her, baby, I gotta go. I can't do this. I'm struggling here. These people are nuts. I have to literally leave. And I'll never forget in her wisdom, she said, you know what? Wait, pray and wait and stay there two more days. And if after two days you can't handle it, you feel like you need to leave, go ahead and get a ticket back home. And by the grace of God, I decided to stay that two days listening to my wonderful wife and I will tell you, God just opened up enormous amounts of doors for me. I started to learn more and more about these individuals. And even though they were coming from very different worlds than me and had very different authorities in their own worlds, I started to see their humanity. I started to see who they were behind all of the, the dressings and all of the authority that they carried in their worlds. And I started to open up and show myself the things that, I, that make, I believe make me human. And in the midst of those two weeks, it was amazing. We started to learn together, to grow together. By the end, my wife would tell you, we were crying not wanting to, this whole experience to end. And even to this day, we still talk. We have a WhatsApp chat and we are all like, even yesterday we had like a reunion. So by the grace of God, these relationships that have fermented have essentially had the potential to be lifelong. And in the last two years, I've partnered and collaborated with many of these individuals. And whenever they come to Boston, I host them. If I, I go and travel, it's, it's all family. Can I say amen? But it's that gradual kinship with faith that can turn a situation like that into inclusivity. And that's what Jesus does, amen? Jesus brings people together too, and he brought people together. When we look at the 12 disciples and the very different backgrounds those men had, you can't tell me that was not an act of God and the Holy Spirit. We find in the scriptures many instances where Jesus brings people together and welcomes them and embraces them from all walks of life. In the book of Luke chapter 15, verse, verse one to two, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. See, Jesus was not too afraid to be uh, around zealots, tax collectors, sinners. He met them where they were. Whether it was with the Samaritan woman at the well or this Roman centurion, Jesus saw the intersectionality of the human condition and he decided through his ministry to create a bridge rather than to build a wall, amen? It was Jesus' love that transcends beyond societal norms, that bridges the gap, it does not alienate, but embraces diversity because he saw that diversity in what makes us diverse and unique was not a deficit. In fact, it was an asset. 
I want, I'd like for you to humor, humor me again, and I would like for you to visualize something for a moment. I'm a visual person. I want us to imagine a mosaic. A mosaic is a collage of pictures that when you put together comprises of a larger picture. We see a vibrant mosaic of diverse puzzle pieces forming a magnificent portrait of Jesus. Now each puzzle piece represents a unique individual, all of us, right, who are coming from various backgrounds, various cultures, various identities. And just like that piece that comes together to create a beautiful and complete image of Jesus, his ministry challenges us to embrace inclusivity and unity and celebrating the richness of diversity within the Christian community. For many of us, as I shared earlier, diversity can be a challenge. Embracing the other can be a challenge. But I believe that the unsettling feeling that we get is a good thing. The questions that I have for myself and I'm praying and encouraging us to have as a church family is how are we being intersectional? How are we being more inclusive within our community? Amen. So as we talk about inclusivity and the importance of Jesus' ministry being inclusive and that being an opportunity for fellowship and unity, a second piece that I would like to share is Jesus' ministry focused on brokenness. We talked about IDE, inclusiveness, brokenness, empowerment. Psalms chapter 34 Verse 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So we see that Jesus was inclusive and his ministry focused on healing the brokenhearted, both spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Amen? I think it's important for us Christians to be inclusive because I see that there is more in common that unites us as human beings than divides us. I really believe that. I'm, I'm, I may be... Uh, someone who thinks too highly, but I, I really do see the limitless possibilities when we come together as human beings and have a common shared goal, amen? Ultimately, I do believe that human beings share ultimately three things in common. I believe that we all want security, we want purpose, and we want the ideal. Security, we want emotional, financial security, we want security, room and board, housing, these things are universal. No matter where you go, most people want that security. We want purpose. Most human beings want to believe there's a purpose for their lives, amen? That there's a reason why we're all here. And the third piece I would say is the ideal. We're all seeking and motivated and trying to move towards whatever that ideal looks, for you, looks like for you or for me. It can look very different. But that perfect world for you, where there is no suffering, and that you're able to get that security, and you're able to obtain your purpose. All of these, all, I believe that all of our mortal pursuits in the end, in this very brief life that we live, in some way are directed by these three things. The problem is, is that we aren't always successful in obtaining these three things in all areas of our lives. And that is where I believe the brokenness can come in. One important thing that we have in common in our brokenness is also that we live in a broken world, right? We live in a world where there's inequity on jobs. The exploitation of labor is rampant. 
I mean, if you turn on the television, you obviously see things locally, but you also see things nationally with the actors and the strikes that are happening with SAG-AFTRA. People are not getting their just wages. We see the inequities that exist in our criminal justice system. We also see the rise in mass shootings. We are watching the television, reading the newspapers, and we are experiencing these things firsthand. Why are we living in such a broken world, we ask? Why, I ask. And also on the interpersonal level, we also face brokenness in our own lives. Amen? Psalms chapter 34, verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus saw that there was unity in our brokenness. In his ministry, in order to continue to advance unity in the lives of the kingdom and those who come to him, focused on our brokenness. He understood this best, and that was how he was able to attract people from all walks of life, and is still able to attract people from all walks of life, and then to allow them to be vulnerable enough to be transformed and then released back into the broken world. Amen? Pentecostal Tabernacle, our motto is restoring broken lives. So we already know this. Amen? And just like that, Jesus' ministry is truly the example that has been set for us, which focused on healing the brokenhearted, meeting people where they were, and addressing people's needs physically, spiritually, and emotionally. In John chapter 5, verses 1 to 5, we see that there's a, the, the man at Bethesda, which is in the scriptures, the paralyzed man that's been there, apparently he's been paralyzed for 38 years. He's lying by the pool and he's hoping to be healed. The pool was, as, as many of you may not be familiar, the pool was believed to have healing properties, especially when it was stirred. Now people with various disabilities and affirmities would come to the pool to be healed. Now Jesus, upon seeing the paralyzed man's plight, had compassion and he approached this man and asked if he wanted to be made well. Amen? The man responded explaining that no one would put him, take him to the pool when it was stirred. Without hesitation, Jesus said to the man, get up, take your mat, and walk. And miraculously, according to the scriptures, that man got up, took his mat, and walked. That physical healing is a demonstration of Jesus' ability to heal the brokenness of the human body. However, it is also a demonstration that carries profound spiritual and emotional significance. Jesus' act of compassion and healing in that moment not only addressed his physical affirmity, but it also gave hope. It gave sense of dignity and self-worth. Amen? It showed that Jesus not only came to heal bodies, but he came to heal hearts, minds, and souls. Amen? That Jesus is a holistic healer. As we reflect on unifying the body of Christ, unifying humanity through, a, through the kingdom of heaven and the power of the Holy Spirit, are our ministries, whether it's at home, on our jobs, in this church, are our ministries prepared to address a holistic approach? Now, I know Pentecostal Tabernacle understands this. I mean, that's where we get the spice from, right? S-P-I-C-E. Put a little spice on it. But I believe that the, the, the man at the Bethesda, pool of Bethesda demonstrates 
a powerful reminder of Jesus' focus on the brokenhearted and healing and meeting people where they were and where they are. Now, in this case, it was obvious to the human eye that this man, the paralyzed man, was broken. But I want to tell you this morning, that's not always the case. Amen? There are people right now in our pews, people that in their homes, on their jobs, that are broken as well, watching this. And you can't see it visibly. A few years ago on a business trip, I was going to South by Southwest. Anytime I have a business trip, I always ask God, I know that there is the human agenda. And in that case, it was promoting my business. However, I always ask God when I pray uh, before going on a trip, I pray that you can make clear to me the kingdom of heaven agenda for this trip. Amen? And a few years ago, I went on this trip to South by Southwest, which is a major innovation film festival, and not knowing what to expect in Texas. So I get there with my colleagues, and as I'm going to different events and different seminars, there's this gentleman who's pretty rambunctious, flamboyant, but he, you know, he, he kept like, it, I kept running into him, and I didn't understand why, or you know, I didn't think of anything of it. Sure enough, out of nowhere, I run into him again, and my colleague says, hey man, this guy's talking about you. And I'm like, who's talking about me? What's going on, right? And sure enough, the man said, uh, my, my colleague said, yeah, this guy's going off, that he owns your business, and he's doing this, and he, you know, he, he's gonna buy your business, and all this, I'm like, what is happening? So I actually approached the man to find out what is going on, like, what is your problem? What is your situation? Deep down, I'm like, what, what is your brokenness, right? I didn't do anything, I'm, I'm, I'm out here trying to do my business. So anyway, I talked to this man, and uh, in the midst of de-escalating the situation, we started talking, and we must have talked for an hour. And in the midst of that hour, he opened up to me. Uh, he talked about how he started his business 15 years ago. It was a tech company, and he just sold it. And you know, now he's a multimillionaire, He's doing his thing, and he's at South by South, Southwest. And with that being said, though, he started getting into his personal life and sharing bits of that, because I was vulnerable, and I opened up to him. And in the midst of that, he said that he's divorced, has two kids that are adult age, and unfortunately, his wife divorced him because he was never around. He was never present in her life or the kid's life, traveling, focused on work, focused on business. And I just never, I'll never forget what he said was that even though he has enough money to afford paying his children's tuition, because both of them are in college, they want nothing to do with him. And they both have scholarships. And I'll never forget what he told me. He said he felt like he built the ladder to success and placed it on the wrong wall. This is a multi-millionaire telling me that he felt like he placed the ladder to success on the wrong wall. So that really moved me, and I remember praying for him right then and there in that hotel lobby. <laughs> and that was something that was impactful. And he just, he started crying, bawling, crying. And obviously that made me cry a little. Uh, the day after that, I was actually having a meeting with a donor from Germany, she's a, a broker. And in the midst of that, we were having dinner, talking about the company, and sure enough, he, guess who shows up? This man, 
He shows up, and I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Like, I, I didn't know what to expect. So he shows up to the dinner, and she knows him. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that you knew each other. And I'll never forget what happened. This man talked to her and told her how I ministered to him the day before. I didn't tell him to do that. But he just started pouring out. And lo and behold, he said this to both of us as we're sitting down and we're talking. He said, this man doesn't know this. Chris doesn't know this. But I was going to blow my brains out that night, last night. He said he had a loaded 45 pistol in his suitcase. And that was going to be it for him. And I, I, that we both paused when we heard that, and it blew us away. And he said, like, yeah. So long story short, after, you know, we talked, and obviously it was a, a shocker, the man went away, and I was talking to the donor. We kind of paused, in, you know, in the, in the space of that. And sure enough, she says to me, if you're having that kind of impact on people that you don't even know, and you've just met, I can only understand or imagine the kind of impact you have on the students at the Loop Lab. And by the grace of God, she gave thousands of dollars to the organization that day. Amen? To this day, years later, I still talk to that man. Every six months, I check in on him. Every six months, I, I text him or I call him. He's still, he's still, he's actually doing a lot better now. He's getting the help he needed. But that really resonates with me and resonated with me. And it's not about me. More importantly, it's about are we making ourselves available by the power of the Holy Spirit for the broken? Whether it's visible or invisible, amen? So please, do, humor me again. <laughs> I would like for us to do an exercise. One minute, I just asked for 60 seconds. Can you please pray for your neighbor? Pray for your neighbor beside you. Pray for whatever they may be dealing with because we don't know what people are going through. We have no clue. So please, take this 60 seconds, take this minute to pray for each other in the pew. And please, for those at home, please take this minute to pray for others as well. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give Jesus a round of applause, please. Amen. 
Let's see, let's, hallelujah, hallelujah. And we are praying that those prayers will be answered because this is a house of prayer, amen? So we talked about inclusiveness. We talked about brokenness. All of these important aspects, pieces to the puzzle in Jesus' ministry to unify us. I would like to talk about empowerment. Jesus not only healed, he not only served the brokenhearted, but he was able to empower his followers to carry on his mission of unity and love. Not only the 12 disciples, but 2,000 years later, so many billions of others. Amen? As Christians, do we feel empowered to unite as Jesus did? In the Last Supper, within the scriptures, we see that he offers to Peter to wash his feet. And at first, Peter refuses, right? He's like, I'm not worthy. But Jesus insists. And it is through this humble act that Jesus is showing not only Peter, but the disciples what true leadership is about. It's not about self. It's not about one's authority or status. True leadership, transformative leadership, should always be about others, amen? And in that act of love and compassion, the Last Supper sets that example of humility, unity. And as 21st century Christians, we, feel we need to be empowered to be ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, empowered to act on reconciliation and be peacemakers in our community. This year in April, as we all may be familiar, some of you may not, there was a massive fire at Faith Lutheran Church. It was a devastating fire that really disrupted the lives and the, and the, and the, the prayers and, and the worship of a wonderful faith community in Cambridge. And with that fire, hundreds of people were without a space to pray, you know, pray, to worship, things that many people can take for granted, many Christians can take for granted. Now, with that being said, it was all on the news. It was a news across Cambridge. It was on the news across Boston. In addition to that, people were watching, waiting to see what was going to happen next. And I say that non-believers were also watching waiting to see what was going to happen next. Even some saying, if God is real, then let's see him help this church. Amen? You know who else I think was also watching? I believe God and the kingdom of heaven were watching as well. And I could even imagine the angels saying, would any believer step up to support these Christians in need? Amen? Now, not to blow our own trumpet, but Pentecostal Tabernacle stepped up to the plate. Please give a round of applause. <laughs> By empowering Faith Lutheran Church with the location, our location at 77 Columbia Street, we enabled and empowered them to continue their worship services. Now, that's not to say that other churches would not have stepped up. That's not to say that. However, that is to say that we did, and Pentecostal Tabernacle did so quickly. And in that moment, we were acting as the inclusive savior, amen? We were following the example of Jesus Christ that he has set for us. 
This is important because Faith Lutheran Church is a very different, has a very different ethnic background, a very different racial background as Pentecostal Tabernacle. Their church is predominantly white. Pentecostal Tabernacle is predominantly black. Their, the Lutheran faith is a very different Christian denomination and has a very different Christian history as Pentecostal Tabernacle. The differences in styles and practices of worship is significant. However, both congregations pray to and serve one Jesus, amen? And he is the mighty and matchless savior of us all. So we see that God can cross and transcend in our lives barriers. God is intergenerational. God is interracial. And he wants to reach out to all who will come to him with humility and love. And this is imperative for the 21st century church, church to be prepared to do so. Now, it's good to support Christians, absolutely. But how are we also supporting other kinds of communities? Now, it's not my place to say what kind of walls we should be breaking down. But I do encourage each of you and myself and those who are watching through YouTube to reflect on whether or not the walls that you have built between you and others truly reflect the authentic Jesus Christ. Scripture that was motivational to me in this part was 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. To summarize, there are unique aspects of Jesus Christ, the unifier, who brings harmony and diversity. We talked about Jesus as being inclusive. We talked about his focus and his ministry's focus on the broken. And then his imperative to us to empower others to unite. Someone uh, recently, uh, very close to me, passed away, and um, I'm gonna open myself up right now. Um, although I am praising God to be here and I'm thankful, um, I'm also a little sad. I'm a little sad, and I, I mention this because uh, recently a colleague and a mentor of mine, Dr. Charles Ogletree from Harvard Law School, passed away. And um, I mention him in this part because he was a believer, mighty man of God, and he was a mentor, someone who empowered others for decades. I'm one of thousands of people, uh, especially graduate students at Harvard, and, and he mentored President Obama, um, you know, First Lady Michelle Obama, other, so many others. And one of the things that I remember the most is when we would pray, one of the things that he was always concerned with is empowering people. What life are you living, and is it a life of service? Is it a life that unifies? And is passing so many different kinds of people from across the political aisle, from across all kinds of divisions, this weekend are in mourning and celebration of his life. And even though I'm sad, I'm also praising God because I know he's with the Father, amen? And he believed in Christ. So I, I leave that in his memory, but I think that I share that also because he is also an earthly example for me on what a life, really thinking about unifying people really looks like. So, so, and not just something that's, uh, 
imaginary, but something very visceral and real. And I encourage all of us this morning to embrace our differences, extend love and mercy and understanding to all, and I leave us with this Bible verse in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Amen. Amen. Now, with that being said, I would like to bring Elder Leon uh, to the altar. If you are in the space this morning, really seeking God and Christ in your life, Christ is here. And Christ is waiting. Amen. Bless the Lord. You know, this has been a sobering message. And, you know, we, we've heard messages like this before, but I just encourage us to, to make it really personal. Because in each of us, um, God is calling us to a life of service. And it's nothing to be afraid of. It actually is a great thing. It's a wonderful thing when we serve people and we see them rise. So I'd just like to invite anyone, if you'd like to come here and we could pray together and pray with you. Um, it's, it's the love of Jesus. Come experience uh, a, a freedom that you can never get any other way than when we're serving other people. So I'd like to invite you and also those online uh, that this invitation extends to you as well. Let us not make this something of a ritual, you know, after, after messages, we, we, we give an altar call for people to come. But if you would just uh, seek deep in your heart and think about, you know what, how can I serve the people around me? How can I serve my neighbor? How can I serve my coworker? Lord, help me to Hallelujah. see. Would you come? And we'll Amen. pray for you at this time. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Come, Brother Peter, I see you. I Hallelujah. see you get up. Hallelujah. Amen. This is a, this yes, is a warm and sweet yes, moment. Please come. We just want to pray with you. Yes, Father. Amen. 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 Bless God. Bless God. Bless God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Is there anyone else? Hallelujah. Okay. No pressure. Bless God. Thank God for you. Thank God for you.